0: This is All of It on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. After just wrapping up the best podcast of the year with Vulture's Nick Qua, we wanted to revisit some of the most memorable All of It podcast interviews of 2021. One of our favorite interviews this year is about a serious topic and feels especially important now during the tail end of the holiday season when we've seen family members maybe for the first time in a long time. Longtime NPR journalist Kitty Isley created a new podcast called Demented chronicling her experience dropping everything to care for her father once he developed dementia. Isley first took notice of the change with her father around a Thanksgiving visit. A few years ago, she moved to her childhood home to become a full-time caregiver for her father, Albert Isley, a veteran member of the Washington Press Corps who helped found the newspaper The Hill. Kitty wasn't alone dealing with this issue, even if she felt like it. According to the Alzheimer's Association, more than six million Americans aged 65 and older have Alzheimer's dementia, and that number is expected to double by 2050. We know how dementia affects the person afflicted, memory loss, difficulty carrying out daily tasks, and even struggling to find the right word or follow a conversation. But the disease also profoundly affects the lives of their loved ones. Approximately two-thirds of caregivers are women, More specifically, more than a third of those women are daughters, such as Kitty Isley. I began my conversation with Kitty by asking her about the first episode of the podcast, where she begins discussing the first signs that her father wasn't himself during an impromptu road trip to visit relatives for Thanksgiving.
1: My mom, his wife of 50-some years, had died in 2016, and that really kneecapped him. My dad had congestive heart failure from a childhood condition that he'd been you know, dealing with all his life and monitoring and been fairly healthy, but that caused a lot of oxygen loss and a lot of cognitive problems. So prior to that road trip, he had spent three weeks in an ICU for heart treatment and then six weeks in a rehab center learning how to walk again and balance and getting his strength back. So we already knew we were in a very, very dicey moment and just balancing. Um, pri- just prior to that trip, he had gone downtown. Uh, where I live outside D.C. now in his house. Downtown to a book party and lost his car. Didn't know what parking garage he left it in. And you know, for a day and a half, we were racking up parking fees until I was able to get a friend to go back downtown with him and sort of retrace the route. His own balance was pretty poor. His um, memory lapses weren't sufficient enough for all of us to think, oh, he's got to be in residential care. But it was an accumulation of multiple things that were lost, forgotten, um, confused, things like putting food in the oven with the wrapper still on, Mm -hmm. or um, leaving the garbage disposal running, or walking out of a room and leaving the burners on, or, you know, not closing the front door when he left the house to go run an errand, just not even closing the door. Small things that didn't seem like him and were adding up, and combine that with a very frail body that had come through a very long hospitalization but was still, you know, he was not in 100% shape at all. So, that very abrupt decision to skip Thanksgiving with his Mm -hmm. daughters and fly to his home state of Minnesota for a funeral and then on to see cousins, you know, he left a phone mail with my cousins, a voicemail. That he was going to come to their house for Thanksgiving, but he hadn't even heard back from them. I didn't even know if they were going to be there. So that kind of non-logical thinking was really unusual for him, even five years ago, and that made it really clear we were in pretty unknown territory.
0: I'm going to ask you. And can can I I add
1: one small fact?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, you mentioned six million of us are taking care of family members with Alzheimer's. This is kind of mind-blowing, but way beyond Alzheimer's, there are 50 million people in this country now taking care of somebody over 50 unpaid Mm -hmm. so it goes way beyond the serious and damaging consequences of alzheimer's there are numerous other things that can prevent someone from being able to take care of themselves fully
0: i'm going to ask you to put on your reporter hat now because one of the great things about the podcast is it is very personal but you (laughs) deploy all your skills as an audio journalist Uh, as you were talking to people and experts and other caregivers how long does it typically take an adult child or another family member to realize that something is off with a loved
1: one? You know, I don't know that I ever asked that question. It's a really good one. I suspect people realize it and can't do anything about it mm. over time. It was not the first emergency in our family. My mom had had some serious health troubles before she passed, so we had been through systems of you know a broken hip and hospitalization, going to rehab center to you know, reconstruct her walking and her balance and all of that. So I'd already kind of had one exposure to all these possibilities when someone's not able to care for themselves. I think my sister and I were a little bit in denial because we just didn't want to think, oh my God, we're going to really have to go through that again with dad Mm -hmm. and he doesn't want to have to face that. Um, So I think people are cognizant of it, but it's a very big, messy conversation to start with a family member. And one thing I kind of learned was to do it as a question of care and of love, as opposed to you can't drive anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't, you're not safe. But to sort of flip it and say, how, can we, how do you want to be taken care of if something went wrong? What, how, what would feel safe and, and loving for you? And I think using COVID, th- this experience we've all had of just of catastrophic loss and, and suddenness, Gives you a little ammo in Mm -hmm. confronting that question with family, especially if you're running into these things over the holidays. Not even to say you can't care for yourself, but just to start that conversation, especially with a parent. How could you know? Have you thought about that? How could we help?
0: I want to ask about you. I want to hear about you as as the caregiver. Uh, You know, what kind of questions did you ask yourself before you made the decision that? I'm going to go care for my father full-time.
1: You know, I had a pretty robust career in public radio, public broadcasting, and my dad, we'd asked him to spend the winter in an assisted living place in our town after that catastrophic road trip, which took 13 hours, um, when he came back and just said, "Could, could you go there and get your physical therapy? We know you'll get your meals, have friendships, get to bed safely, And he wasn't happy there. And he wanted to come home by that spring. And his doctors did not have a great prognosis. And I had gotten their numbers and been very much in touch with them. So I thought he had maybe six months. And I thought, I'd been reading a lot about death and dying. And I thought, you know, what makes him happy is being in his house that he's lived in for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And looking at his azaleas and sitting in his comfortable chair and having a bourbon and watching the ball game and doing the crossword and all the things I could think were abrupt and disruptive for him to, you know, excuse me have to leave this place right when his mind isn't working that well and have to go live in a strange place with strangers and go to a cafeteria for dinner with strangers every day. That was very hard for him, I think. So I thought, I can put this time out. You know, it's not going to kill me, but it's the most loving thing I can do to spend that time with him and help him. And then he got better. Or he, got, he continued, put it that way. So per, for me, I sort of felt like there wasn't a better alternative. We'd run out of them. And I think he was also scared of how much it costs to stay in the assisted living place because mm-hmm. it's monumentally expensive. But anyway, my calculation was this might go for six months. We've kind of run up against all our options he would be, what could make him happy is being safely at home.
0: What did you want? That's what I did. Yeah. What did you want to cover in this podcast that you hadn't and didn't see in other resources for people who find themselves in your position?
1: I think the biggest challenge for me was isolation. I felt like I was out there doing it alone. I felt like we all need sister wives. I needed a bigger family. There weren't enough of us to take care of this, so I didn't have a good place to turn for answers of how I could get some help, whether it was getting him into the car to go to the doctor or um, figuring out a plan for his medication or any number of things. So this first season of the podcast is me just looking for advice from people I knew who had lived through some aspect of this. So one of them is a friend whose mother has Alzheimer's, and she has been her full-time caregiver while holding down either a full or part-time job. And we both talked about how weird it is and how lonely it is. When you've had a parent who's had a very, you know, big social life, has loads of friends, is professionally active in their community, and suddenly is only at home, and the friends kind of drop off because it's weird for them to encounter someone they knew who's now so diminished mentally. And my dad wasn't totally diminished, but... He had hearing loss. It made it hard to participate in conversations. He was more frail, so choosing a restaurant if his friends wanted to go out had to be pretty easy to get in and out of. Small things that made a big difference, and that made him and then me much more alone, out in the suburbs, in a house that he'd taken good care of, where five years ago he was very active in Washington, and I didn't have to set up his social life. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like, almost like a babysitter making, it sounds patronizing, but play dates, having, setting up time for folks to come over and sit with him or play Scrabble or have a bowl of soup or something. I kind of had to be the intermediary for him to have a social life.
0: My guest is Kitty Isley, a journalist and the host of a podcast she created called Demented, about chronicling her journey, taking care of her father. There's some very interesting... Uh, just really interesting. I go back to it because you're such a good reporter about the basics of what you need to know and how you get through the day. And there was one section that was so interesting about a conversation you had with a man who has developed a razor that helps assisting shaving someone. I want to play a little bit of that in a moment, but what led you to that conversation?
1: Well, when I mentioned my dad was in the hospital for three weeks in the summer of 2017, and we almost lost him. And one of the problems was that, not one of the problems, a consequence of that was that he was just kind of out of himself and he hadn't had a shave in two weeks. And he just, by the time he started to feel a little more human, he was really frustrated because he didn't, you know, he just felt out of sorts. And so my sister and I were trying to get somebody to come give him a shave, but the hospital was, you know, over, over, overwhelmed, I guess. So we had to do it. And we... Couldn't. We were really bad at it. He was in bed and we had like shaving cream and a razor and a little dish of hot water and it ended up in the sheets. And it's, I don't know how to do that. It's really hard. And it's hard to reach across and try to give someone else a shave. It's certainly nothing I ever thought I would have to learn how to do, ever. But it made him feel better, but it was a big mess. And then I found out just by chance that there was this new razor that was designed to help you give someone a shave who was, couldn't get to a sink, couldn't stand in front of a sink, be near hot water. And this happens all the time in assisted living mm-hmm. residences where folks have to be in chairs. They're not safe to stand, and they're getting help doing basic grooming. And so I actually looked around and found the guy who invented the razor because I was so surprised. And I was like, God, there must be millions of people who need this.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's play a clip of a little bit of that interview you did with this gentleman. This is from the podcast, Demented.
1: We started well, this program about a year and a half ago. And something that Gillette's been really interested in for a number of years and run a bunch of successful campaigns around has been the relationship between a father and his son, typically a son coming to the age where he needs to start shaving, Um, and the father's in a great position to give him some advice about how to do it. But um, when we started sort of digging around this space of this kind of father-and-son relationship, uh, typically we started to see a whole bunch of comments online, on on social media, um, very much close to your kind of experience where that relationship kind of flips, and the son or the daughter ends up looking after their father.
0: That is from the podcast, Demented. You know, Kitty, as we need to wrap up, um, I wanted to ask you, is there anything that you would, one, like people to keep in mind as they see family this holiday season or if they're going through this during the holiday season? And will there be a season two of your podcast?
1: Season two is already underway. And going from my story and my arc, I'm now asking who are the caregivers both Mm -hmm. paid and unpaid, besides me, because there are 50 million of us. And the first interview we've already, we've taped several, but it's Patty Davis, Ronald Reagan's daughter. And he died in 2004, and she is still active, running Alzheimer's family care groups. And she's just put a book out about Alzheimer's and family, the consequences on the caregivers. Um, So, you know, you mentioned gratitude at the very beginning of your show. I feel, like, profoundly grateful I knew I would not regret this. I knew this was Mm -hmm. the most deeply loving thing I could do because I had a good relationship with my dad. Many people don't and that's normal, that's human. Um, But it is worth trying to kind of resurrect or do a little repair so that if harder things happen you've got kind of a good baseline. That caller mentioned siblings. My sister was active but she had a full-time job, two young kids and a lot of travel. But we made a deal early on. We didn't want to ha- hate each other at the end of this. Of course. We actually talked about that. Like hmm. I wanted to you know, keep our relationship as good as it could be because we have a very small family. And I thought, you know, there won't be anybody after mom and dad are gone. They're just a few cousins. So, so have, the hard, so have the
0: hard conversations. Having the hard conversations is yeah. important to do, just, right?
1: Have them gently, you know. (laughs) Right, you can have hard conversations gently, for sure. Softly, you know. And (laughs) remember that this is a totally different era. We've doubled our lifespan almost in 100 years. We haven't had to do this in human history. We have fewer people. We live farther apart. People live longer with more complicated conditions. So you're not failing if you don't know how to do this. But we all need to demand more of our government because, as one of the callers said, there's abundant love. Yeah, I mean, we all want to make sure that the people we love have dignity, are cared for well, get back at the end of their life what they've put into the, to the world. But I want to make sure that that's done so that their families are supported, because none of us can do this individually. It's too hard, and we need to ask more.
0: That was part of my conversation with Kitty Isley on her podcast, Demented, When You Become Your Parent's Parent, one of our most memorable podcast interviews of the year. Demented is available to stream now wherever you listen to your podcasts.